Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Chapter 30. I feel like this passage speaks to all of us today. First Samuel 30, verse 1. It happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women, small and great, even the children. They didn't kill anybody, but they took them hostage. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burning with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. David and the people were lifted their voices and wept until they could weep no more. And David's two wives had been taken captive. David was greatly distressed and the people were speaking of stoning him because they were grieved and every man for his loss of sons and daughters. But David Everybody say, but David, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. The King James says, David encouraged himself. Everybody say encouraged. Turn to somebody say himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. David said to the priest Abiathar, bring the ephod which was an instrument of determining God's plan. Bring the ephod. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? It was a direct question to God. God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. In this series and season we're in, Today, we're dedicating to the idea and the biblical proclamation to reclaim our courage, to reclaim our courage. And everybody say amen to the word of the Lord and you may be seated. I heard about a man who took a pair of shoes to be repaired. He dropped them off. They gave him a claim check. He sort of forgot about it. Days turned into weeks, weeks into months. Several years went by. He forgot all about the shoes. And one day he was going through some papers and the claim check fell out. He couldn't believe it that he forgot his shoes. Like 10 years it went by. So he went back to the repair shop when he was in the area. He stopped in, showed the guy the claim check. He said, I'm sure the shoes aren't here anymore. Guy said, I don't know. Let me go check. He went in the back room. He came out smiling. He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, you're kidding me. He said, we still have the shoes. He said, well, can I have them? He said, well, they'll be ready Tuesday. (laughs) I offer this message to you today to encourage someone to get your claim check on your courage. Recover your courage. It is 
always required courage to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Being a follower of Christ is not for wimps. It takes courage. It appears to me that from now on until the soon return of Christ, only the courageous for Christ will be able to stand against the onslaught of this world on our faith and our values and our convictions. I would say that in the last 16 months since COVID invaded our nation, that fear has widely been introduced into the mainstream of our American society. And in some measure, it has even impacted the church. We've been hit with a force unlike anything in my lifetime. A force that has shut down the world and has made the world much smaller than it ever used to be. 193 million COVID cases worldwide and 4 million deaths apparently attributed to the same. Now we have vaccines that are causing problems, recalls, perhaps releasing more fear and skepticism in the collective American heart. It appears that now we're in another wave of COVID-19 with variants. In fact, you probably noticed that St. Louis has reissued their mask mandate, I believe, starting tomorrow. I texted Michaela this morning to see if Grandview schools would be issuing masks again for children at school where there's very little incidence of COVID and apparently it is coming. So COVID is not gone. It is still here. And one of the great enigmas to me is I do not understand how medical science cannot get a hold of this thing. And even further, how the church cannot ramp up our efforts and somehow get authority over this and cast it out of our nation. I spoke with a man just this week who said that since March of 2020, his wife has been home, locked behind doors and windows. And I would add, I suppose, sort of feeling like a prisoner in her own house because of anxiety and fear. As conservative biblical worldview believers, we are now living in a surreal moment in history. Consider that our neighboring friendly country to the north, Canada, a socialistic nation, has ordered fences to be built around Christian worship centers to prevent the gathering of believers. And both Canada and America have had Christian pastors arrested for violating COVID-19 restrictions. I could hardly believe the president's announcement this week when he said that communities must, and I quote, police parents to make sure that their children are getting vaccinated. 
I wanted to go look at an American flag somewhere and make sure I was still in America. NFL players are now being fined if they have not been vaccinated. One NFL coach was fired this week because of his refusal. There are other issues swirling around us that require courage today. Courage to live. Courage to navigate. I've had several conversations with parents recently about public versus private or homeschooling. Why? Because we don't trust the agenda and the attempted indoctrination being perpetrated on our children by not only school systems, but by the administration of our nation. Our school districts, one school district in the metro, put out a list of books every year for each grade level. As an incentive, the students are encouraged to read them. And if they read all these books, they're given a gift card or a coupon for ice cream or some treat. These books, even for grade school children, celebrate homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion, same-sex parenting, and witches. It's no wonder we are considering other options. In an article I read this week, many prominent news media personalities from all of the major news outlets admit that they no longer feel bound to report the news unbiasedly. But they feel liberty, if not a responsibility, to bring news to the American public with an admitted bias against what I would call anything that smacks of a biblical worldview or the traditional American spirit. It just feels like so much of what we believe in and how we live our lives is being challenged and vilified, if not denied by some pressure, some law, some politician, or some unelected health official. Did I mention unelected? What is the message to us today? We must be courageous. We must be courageous. We must stand. Sometimes that's all we can do. In fact, the Bible says that when you've done all. That means when you voted, when you educated yourself, when you figured out who you are and what you believe and you're still attacked and you're still made fun of and you're still called old school and you're still called a stick in the mud and you get fired. The Bible says when you've done all to stand, just stand. <laughs> it's what it's going to come down to. We cannot lose our courage. We give glory to God today. We're living in a day that requires courage to be a parent with biblical values, requires courage to be a Christian, to be a pastor. To be a civic leader, 
It requires double courage to be a law enforcement officer. It requires courage to be a leader in the medical profession. To be a politician who will stand for common sense and decency takes courage. The culture is trying to change the definition of courage. Courage used to mean something like an 18 year old joining the army, training and going to war and being willing to lay down your life for your country and for freedom. Now we have a culture that calls courage when you come out of the closet and you announce that you're gay or that you want to be a gender that you were not created by God to be. Or you're courageous, the culture says, if you decide you want to use another bathroom. How much different that definition of courage is. In my view, none of these scenarios represent courage, but rather they are the ultimate deception created by cultural conditioning, public education, initiated by perhaps even mistreatment or abuse or family dysfunction. And it's all masked under the guise of making yourself happy. But our major news outlets are not telling the truth regarding gender reassignment surgery, which by the way is not even possible. You are born a male or a female. And no amount of drugs or augmentation can change the order of creation. Dr. Paul McHugh, the university distinguished service professor of psychiatry at John Hopkins University School of Medicine said this, when the tumult and shouting dies, it proves not easy or wise to live in a counterfeit sexual garb. The most thorough follow-up of sex reassigned people extending over 30 years and conducted in the nation of Sweden, which has been extremely liberal in transgenderism, where the culture is strongly supportive of this persuasion. They document their lifelong mental unrest 10 to 15 years after surgical reassignment, the suicide rate of those who have undergone sex reassignment surgery rose to 20 times that of comparable peers. Nobody's talking about that. The culture won't be honest about that because it does not align with their agenda. Let me tell you what takes courage. It takes courage not to have an augmentation surgery or to come out of the closet or go in another bathroom. It takes courage to stand for the word of God. It takes courage to say, I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what the teacher said. I don't care what the study says. I don't care what the textbook says. As for me and my house, we will have to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will have to stand. We will have to be true 
we will have to sell out, not to a cultural expectation, but we will sell out to Jesus Christ. Let God be true and every man a liar, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Somebody celebrate your faith today. Hallelujah. Praise God. I rejoice with you today. God has a church. God has a people that are separated. God has a people that when the whole culture is going downstream, we're swimming upstream. The church has always been counterculture. There's always been a separation. God has always required a separation. The doctrine of separation. This isn't popular in Christianity today. The doctrine of separation starts at the beginning. When God separated light from darkness and God told Adam and Eve, you can eat one, you know, all these trees, but don't touch that one. That's separation. God said, I don't want two different kinds of animals plowing together. I don't want two different kinds of materials fabricated together. I don't want two different kinds of seeds planted in the same field. He tells Abraham, come out. You got to get out of Ur of the Chaldees. Come out. He tells Moses, I want my children to have a ribbon of blue sewn into the hem of their garments so that when they go out into public, the public people can say, oh, there's some of those sons of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And there's the daughters. God wants his people to be identified. God wants his church to be separated. John said, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. He said, and then I will receive you. Listen to the commands of scripture. And all of these are in the context of a threat. Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Behave courageously and the Lord will be with you. My brothers and sisters, if you will stand for God, God will stand for you. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you to be courageous and valiant? Be courageous and keep all that is written in the book of Moses. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Don't you just want to kiss the Bible? Yes. Thank you, Lord. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Woo, I'm not crazy. Take a picture, put it on social media, too late. I'm not crazy. We are not the ones losing our minds. We are not insane. In fact, I'm going to prophesy. You want a prophecy? Hear the word of me. <laughs> Before Jesus comes and gets us out of here. We are going to look like geniuses. <laughs> it's going to get so nuts. It's going to be so crazy. Someone's going to say, some professor, you know, at Harvard's going to say, well, you know, a marriage between a, a man and a woman, that sort of makes sense. 
<laughs> and by the way, there is no marriage unless it's between a man and a woman. I don't know what it is, but it's not marriage. I would say that courage is not the opposite of fear. Because you can have courage and still have apprehensions and uncertainties. The presence of courage does not require the absence of fear. In fact, without fear, there can be no courage. Mark Twain said that courage is the mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. Sometimes it's not possible to demonstrate courage until you're in the moment. In other words, I'm not sure that having courage is something you can practice or rehearse. I think it's just has to come on you in the moment. Sort of like the World War II fighter jet pilot who was asked when he made his first parachute jump, he said, well, when my plane was shot down. Sort of takes the moment. So in the text that we read today, David had everything that he loved stolen, taken. If you've ever had your car robbed, broken into, or your house, there's, there's no sickening feeling like that. Some lousy, no good rascal who had no business being in my house. That's a violation, feeling of violation. And David was dealing with this. You know, this is, this is David. To get in his top 30, you had, to, you had to have the prowess to wipe out 300 in one battle. And to get into his top three generals, it took 800. So if David's leading men that are powerful enough to take out 800 in one battle. How powerful is David? He's like, oh, if I would have been here, mm, those guys would have never seen the light of day again. Feels violated. His fierce fighting force of 600 mighty men had been out on a reconnaissance mission. And while they were gone, the enemy... Specifically, the Amalekites came and plundered their city, robbed their homes, took their wives and children and burned their houses to the ground. At that moment, they didn't know who did it or where their loved ones were or if they were even alive. They found a man who'd been abandoned by the Amalekites. He gave them some information. And in the meantime, there was such grief over this loss and devastation. The Bible says these powerful men sat down and wept until they could weep no more. David also had suffered this great loss along with his men. He lost the same thing they did. And this is what we have to be careful of. Let's never turn on each other. They turned on David. They spoke of stoning him. We, if we don't have us, we don't have anything. If we ever break ranks, we are defeated. We've got to stand shoulder to shoulder, back to back, defending each other, standing up for each other, fighting for each other. Amen. Helping one another, praying for one another. Amen. Praise God. And 
So they broke ranks and David was distressed. And here's what I love about David. He knew that the enemy was in play and that he would have to do something to unite his men. This was a moment for David to somehow reclaim his courage. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Oh, how did David encourage himself in the Lord? Do we know anything about David? Do we know anything about him? Do we know that he's a prophet? Yes, the Bible calls him a prophet. Do we know that he's the sweet psalmist of Israel? Yes, we do. Do we know that he's a powerful warrior? Yes. Do we know that David was a worshiper? <laughs> Come on, somebody. David was a worshiper, not only a worshiper, but God inspired him to write the songbook for the people of God and the nation of Israel. He's, he's written Psalms. He's a poet and he knows it. <laughs> and the Bible doesn't say what David did when he encouraged himself in the Lord. But I think David, these guys are over here. They're, they're tired. They're wore out. He gets it. They've lost their family. David says, I just got to go find a prayer place somewhere. He says, oh God, is this the end of us? Is this the end of the line? Lord, you promised me that I would be the king. You told me, oh God. I remember when Samuel anointed me to be the next king of Israel, oh God. And, and Lord, I'm just waiting on you now, Lord. This can't be the end because I'm a man of destiny and I'm a man of purpose. And suddenly David begins to sing, perhaps, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And when David begins to encourage himself in the Lord, these fierce fighting warriors, they say, oh, oh, guys, listen to that. That's the David we know. That's the warrior we know. We've stood with him in the battlefield. We've stood side by side. We've whipped the Jebusites and the Amalekites and the, and the, and the, and the Hivites and the termites, praise God. We whipped all these armies. We took them out. Oh, that's the leader that we're rallying behind. That's the man we found in the cave of Adullam. And we came to him discouraged and in debt, uh, amen, and distressed. And David believed in us. And David encouraged us. Come on, guys, let's rally. And so David encourages himself in the Lord and it becomes contagious. Can I tell you something? Somebody needs Needs you to encourage yourself in the Lord today. We need you to be encouraged. We need you to rise up. We need you to restore your faith. Oh, come on, somebody encourage yourself in the Lord right now. Come on, go ahead. Get your courage back. 
Get your courage back. We've been knocked down. We've been hit. But oh, we're getting back up again. Hallelujah. It's the way we fight. This is how we conquer. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The Bible says that when David encouraged himself, he got the priest to get the ephod and David puts it on and he inquires of the Lord. He says, Lord, shall I pursue this enemy? Is this it? And the Lord says, pursue them for without fail, you shall recover all. (laughs) Let the word of God speak to you today. Don't quit. Don't give up. I know you've lost. I know you got discouraged. I know COVID has taken things. I know we've lost things, but I'm here to tell you it's not over yet. God is going to have it the way he wants it. Amen. Who's on the Lord's side today? Somebody get your courage back. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to stop trusting God. If God doesn't help me, there is no help. <laughs> oh. oh, Lord. God, give us recovery. Give us recovery. Bible says when these 600 men lit out for the enemy, the Amalekites, scripture says that on the way at the brook Bezor, that's not the owner named after the owner of Amazon. Just a, a brook Bezor. 200 of them, one third, got discouraged, exhausted. Listen, there's people here today that are exhausted. And they made it. I have a word for you, my brother, my weary sister. If you don't have strength to rise up today, there's still 66% of us. We're going to go and ride into the enemy's camp and we're going to get our stuff and then we're going to get your stuff and we're going to bring it back to you. Come on. If you can't do it, if you've gone as far as you can go, We're not just going to go fight for us. We're going to fight for you. Oh, that's how the church operates. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, the Lord said, there I am in the midst. Somebody partner up with the other third. Partner up with the other third. Two or three, two or three. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh my, y'all got it. I don't need to say another word, but I'm going to. (laughs) I'll tell you what the Lord spoke to me this week. He said, tell the church, we need some wins. I'm ready for some wins. 
tired of losing, I'm tired of burying people. I'm tired of, we miss Brother George, Michael, Nancy. I miss George. I don't like it. I can't control it. He will never be forgotten. But that doesn't mean we have to like it. We trust God. Our lives are in his hands. And you know what? Brother George has crossed over. <laughs> he won. We need some wins. Yeah. Two minute Bible story. Saul is discouraged. The Philistines have come and taken all their weapons. They've also took the blacksmith so they can't make any weapons. First Samuel 14. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, they slip out. Jonathan says, we need a win. And the Bible said that Saul didn't even know they, they sort of slipped out. Jonathan's armor bearer. And they, they see this garrison of Philistines sort of up on a plateau. And we've been to Israel and we've seen where this happened. And it's sort of an elevated place. And Jonathan and his armor bearer behind a rock. And Jonathan says, look, he's got a word from the Lord. He says, look, we're going to step out and reveal ourselves to the Philistines. And if they say we're going to come down there, he said, we're just going to stand our ground, see what the Lord will do. But he says, if they invite us up there, <laughs> that's a sign that God is going to give us the victory. Now, here's what you have to know. A garrison was 20. It's 20 to two, 10 against one. But Jonathan said, God doesn't need a big army. It's not with the Lord to save by many or by few. Let me tell you why we can have courage today. We may be in the minority in this nation. Amen. But it is not by the Lord to save by many or by few. I'm not interested in being on the side of the majority. I'm interested in being on the winning side, the Lord's side, because he will fight for us. And we will see that the battle is the Lord's. And so Jonathan's armor bearer, they slip out and the Philistines say, hey, come up here. We'll show you something. The Bible said that Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his knees. You talk about a steep embankment. He scampers up there and his armor bearer's right behind him. And you know what happened? The Lord began to fight for them. There was an earthquake. The Bible says there was a shaking. Amen. It discomfited the enemy. And when they reached out to slay Jonathan, Jonathan, the, uh, the Lord just took him out of the way and they began to slay one another. <laughs> I see it coming. I see it coming. This world is going to devour anybody that stands against God's word. They're going to devour one another. God's going to take the wisdom of this world and make it foolish. God's going to take the strength of this world and make it weak. And the kingdom of God is going to stand and rise in the last days. <laughs> We need your win. We need your win. We need somebody to walk out of here today and say, you know what? God, you're going to help me and give me victory. We need your win. I could think of a lot of wins that would be really nice. 
it would be a win if we could sell some of this property for like two or three million dollars. That would be a nice win, right? Huh? Come on. Would that be a nice win? It's coming. My friend C.P. Thomas from India, our friend, sent me a message this week. He's baptized over 70,000 in Punjab in the last 16 years. Here's what he told me. He said, Pastor, it's a miracle. He said, now you got to understand in India, they're stacking up bodies. They don't have medicine. They don't have hospital beds. He said, not one believer that's been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in Punjab has ever come down with COVID. Is that a win? <laughs> Is that a win? Woo! I thank God for that. <clears throat> I have a picture I want to show you of a Bible quiz team that my wife and I, we went to Branson this week and we watched the junior and beginner Bible quizzers and our teams did so well. In fact, our beginner team finished ninth in the nation at the national final. And we quizzed this team. I won't tell you who they are, where they're from, but look at that little girl in the yellow dress. I have to tell you what happened. I grew up quizzing. I was a quiz coach and I know quite a bit about it. I'm sure it's much more sophisticated even today than it was back in the day. But this little girl, she's probably nine. I don't know her name, but I know her pastor. He's a good friend of mine. And so we were quizzing them and we had the quiz one before the last question. It was 105 to 70. It was a 30 point question. There's no way we can lose unless we interrupt, get half the points deducted, gets reread. And so our team was very well coached by uh, Byron and Julie and uh, who is it? Yeah, Chris, Kristen. And so uh, we stayed away from the buzzer. The other team, this little girl buzzed in. If she gets it right, she gets 30 points, but we still win, right? It's 105 to 70. She buzzes in and it's a quotation question and she interrupts it, which means when she hits the buzzer, the coach, the quiz master doesn't say anything else. And so there's about 100 people in there and there's several quizzes going on in, the, in this facility and there's about 100 people there. And so he says, quote, question number 15 is a quotation question worth 30 points. Question, quote, Mark chapter. She hits the buzzer. Those little kids have memorized 118 verses. She has a one in 118 chances. And she's not even going to win the quiz. But that's not even the point. Because all Bible quizzers are winners. <laughs> now, here's what nobody else knew that the pastor's wife told my wife and I. When they lost their previous quiz, and it's a double elimination, inexplicably, this girl's mother scolded her. 
I want to just slap her. In Jesus' name. You know, then it's in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. I don't, you know, bless her heart. I don't know what this little girl's dealing with. But she was just scolded for losing. And she knows she's going to lose. But it doesn't stop her. She hits the buzzer. She got a one in 118 chances. He says, quote, Mark. She goes, chapter six, verse 18. She quotes it. And we're all like, nice try. The quiz master goes, that is correct. <laughs> they did what you are doing right now. We went, woo! I'm like, wait a minute. We won the quiz, but everybody's running over to that girl. They're giving her high fives. They're celebrating her. They're rejoicing. <laughs> Stand up. Um, Noel. I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, honey, I don't know who you are. But I said, God did that. God used you today. She got the biggest eyes. I wish I could have went to that mother and give her a pee. I mean, uh, uh, but what could the mother do? The whole world was celebrating. The whole world was rejoicing. We were clapping and shouting. We shut the critic down and we need somebody to win today. We need you to step out. We need you to hit the buzzer. We need you to do something and put yourself on the line. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. We need some wins. Turn to somebody and say, we need you to win. We need somebody to leave this house today. We need somebody to leave this house today and come back next Sunday with a testimony. Come on, come back with a testimony. Come back with a story. <laughs> like one brother last week said, Pastor, I went from $18 to $26 an hour. That's a, that's a nice win. I celebrate that today. I thank God for that. We give him the glory. I want the Ethan to come Listen, listen, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. If we wait on the Lord. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Somebody here today has been praying, God help, God help, God help, God help, God help us, God help us. I'm telling you, sometimes I pray so many things, so many days in a row, I have to take a break. Maybe I'm not praying right, but it feels like a 500 pound gorilla jumps on my back. 
I'm trying to pray for you and pray over me and my family and our congregation and what God's doing around the world. And sometimes I just have to take a break. But I'm going to tell you one of these days, according to what Jesus said in Luke 18 two, though he not avenges, will he not avenge his elect to cry out though he bears long with them? God, help me. God, help me. God, break through. God, break through. God, break through. God, break through. God, answer my prayer. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Listen. Listen, the Bible says that when he gets ready to avenge us, he will do it speedily. When God gets ready to move on your prayer, he can change it in a moment. He can change it in an instant. He can turn it around in a day. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. One of our first time guests today, she shared with me, she must be the matriarch of the family. She said, every day we pray Psalm 91 over our family. I love that. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Amen. I was praying that blessing over this man. Raise your hand, Gary, over this man. He stood right here 15 years ago. He wasn't even a believer and he was going out to Baghdad to fight for freedom and liberty. And I got to the scripture that said a thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. And he told his mom and dad, who is that crazy man that said, I'm going to wipe out 10,000 in Baghdad. <laughs> That's how strongly we believe the word of God. We need somebody, amen, to dwell under the secret place of the most high. Angels are with us. We got the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Come on, somebody recover your courage today. Reclaim your courage. <laughs> Just lift your hands and ask the Lord to give you great faith. Say, Lord, increase my faith. The disciples prayed that. Increase my faith. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lord, I got stuff I need victory over. I've got, I've got breakthroughs that I need. Lord, increase my faith right now. As a parent, come on parents. Come on grandparents, come on educators. Come on medical people. Amen, if we got any politicians here today, come on, we need you to be courageous. If we've got law enforcement, if we've got military personnel, we need you to be courageous. Come on young person. In college, your faith will be attacked. Get ready, it's gonna happen this year. But greater is the he that is in us than the he that is in the world. Come on, young family, come on, young parents. If you're comfortable, you wanna come forward and pray, go ahead, or you can build an altar where you are right now. Come on, just let your voice out right now. This is why we come to church to pray. This is why we come, this is a house of prayer right now. This is a house of prayer right now, that's it. Lift your hands, lift your voice. In Jesus' name, Lord, you will help us. You will help us to fight. You will help us to fight, come on. The Lord's gonna help us fight. The Lord's gonna help us win. 
The Lord's going to help us be victorious. Let there be a roar of prayer that rises up in this sanctuary right now. Pray for our city. Pray for our city. Pray for our city. In the name of Jesus, he will fight for us. He will fight for us.